So here we are, ghost light, chapter one. A lodging house room in London, 27th of October, 1952, 6.43 a.m. In the top floor room of the dilapidated townhouse across the terrace, a light has been on all night. From your bed, it was visible whenever you turned towards the window, which you had to do in order to fetch your bottle from the floor. Most nights the same. The bulb is lighted at dusk. In the mornings, a couple of moments after the street lamps flicker out, it dies and the ragged curtain is closed. You are 65 now, perhaps the age of that house, perhaps even a little older. What a thought. You approach your only window. It is shockingly cold to the touch. Winter is coming to England. The weather has been bitter. Last night, a hurricane struck London. You have never noticed anyone enter or exit that forlorn house. But the postman still delivers to it, stuffing envelopes through the broken glass in the door panel. The letterbox has been nailed closed many years. Men urinate in the porch. One of the street girls plies her trade there, and the balustrade has long been splashed with obscene words. Many of the window embrasures are boarded. Budlia sprouts from the facade. You have a sense that the occupant of the room is a man. For one midnight, a fleeting shadow crossed the upper window pane, so you thought and there was maleness in how it moved. There was a time when you used to think about him. How can he live alone in a bomb-blasted old house? Who sends the letters? What are they about? For it helped to pass the brutal hours immediately preceding dawn. But this morning, someone else is come to you again, out of the same light, somehow, out of an unseen room, out of a city you have lived in the last 13 years, but have never found a reason to call your own. This has happened to all of us, a coasting across the mind by one we had thought forgotten or purposefully banished. But today we'll prove him a wanderer, reluctant to be exiled, an emigrant still attempting to come home. He could be difficult sometimes. What use in denying it? Irritable, unforgiving for a relatively young man. Because the whisperers and poke bonnets and gossips and sniggerers always made such a point of the age difference between you. Envious vixens, triple-chinned hypocrites, too deceitful to utter their true objection. For what are years, fictions, ink stains on a calendar? There are moments of late when yesterday feels a life ago and tomorrow an unborn century, so unreachable it seems. And had he lived beyond his youth, the years would have contracted because a married couple become the same age, grow to resemble one another over time like bookends, their recollections in grayed bindings between them and neither bothering to read what once divided them. What's this he'd be now? Eighty-something. A slippered old duffer, 
a shuffler, an old bags. Hard to work the calculations through the fog of a hangover, your reckoning of the decades keeps stalling, tripping up. After a few ruined attempts, you abandon it. You take a small, sour sip, medicinal, just a settler. The reek of gin dampens your eyes, somehow intensifies his presence, but you grimace it away with a swallow. The daily spite of this unmannerly town. Wasn't it Yeats wrote that? Or my other lunk, Shaw? Dublin, he was whining about. But to all towns are unmannerly, to the old, the poor, the collaborator. What is it in poets that must dress a thing up? Christ, they'd nearly call their dandruff the fairy snow. <laughs> Not long after dawn, the shadow kissing time. Grey light at the window and the whistle of the kettle as you move about, failing to keep warm. Mittens flittered to ribbons. You wear a dead man's boots. Well, no point in wastefulness, a sin. Down below in Brickfield's terrace, a milk wagon is delivering. And you wonder, would the man advance you another month's credit, but the fear of being declined dissuades you. Frost silvers the pavement, the telephone kiosk, the street. The wrecked colonnades of the house where the light burns all night. An awning over the grocers on the corner of Porchester Road. Rooks are circling the chimney breasts. Johnny sings, bit of native. The proddy's little squaw. That Kingstown playboy's whore. Insults hurled long ago by the wags of witty Dublin. Still audible after more than 40 years. You shuffle away from the window to the cubby hole by the cooking ring. The room smells of cabbage and dust. Somewhere below you, a wireless is playing too loudly, but you do not object to the interruption, find it oddly cheering sometimes. There are hours late at night when you miss its consolation. Silence can be frightening to the lonely. He always said you were over-imaginative. Too given to fantasy, a Catholic trait, he would joke. These nights you read Mills and Boons from the Tuppany Library in Earl's Court Road. Sure, you'd be lost for a bit of an escape, only it wasn't for true romances. How he would have hated them, your dog-eared, tear-stained bedfellows. Opium for spinsters, he'd mock. The sun would dry the oceans wide. Heaven would cease to be. The world would cease its motion, my love, ere I'd prove false to thee. A song that would draw the heart out of you, Molly, that anyone ever felt such devotion 